Hi, this is Kristen Bass with encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. If this is your first time here, let me give you a little background on the many hats I wear. I am a Dallas, Texas bred girl living in Atlanta, Georgia, who is a wife and mom, choreographer and artistic director, Arthur, homesteader, founder and life organizer of Traveling Psychology Girl LLC, where we declutter and organize your mind, home, and office. And I am an educator, which is what led me to do this podcast. If you like nature and the Bible, you have come to the right place. Here, I take elements of nature, insects, animals, and apply their behaviors and characteristics to biblical characters and principles. Sit back and enjoy encouragement from Kristen's backyard. Have you ever really paid attention to the animals and the insects in your yard and watched how many of them have their own systems, their own way of living their own lives? particularly ants and even wasps or bees. All animals have what we call ecosystems. They have an environment that they live in. They have a particular habitat. Kind of like we as people have families, cultures, and many different things that we and systems that we live by like religion today is going to be a very interesting podcast i'm gonna go deep i'm going to address a lot of uncomfortable things that sort of well maybe it's uncomfortable for christians i will say that because i'm going to address a particular question that I get asked all the time. When it's not a question, it's a statement that's posed to me. And that is, is being saved, being religious. Because a lot of people are turned off by being saved because they don't like religion. So today... I'm going to dive right in. When I think about animals, when I think about plants, when I think about any living thing, I know that it has an habitat or an ecosystem. And according to findout.com, dkfindout.com, habitats and ecosystems are animals, plants, and all living things that are adapted to life in their natural surroundings. These different environments are called habitats. They range from burning hot, dry deserts to rain-soaked tropical forests to frozen tundras. Every living species has its own favorite habitat, which it shares with other living creatures. The different species affect each other to create a balanced web of life called an ecosystem. According to WFF.panda, 
www.ecosystemsciences.org. Every organism has a unique ecosystem within which it lives. This ecosystem is its natural habitat. This is where the basic needs of, of the organism to survive are met. Food, water, shelter, from the weather in place to breed its young. All organisms need to adapt to their habitat to be able to survive. Think about what you see around you. Think about the habitat it lives in. The reason that I have rabbits and chipmunks in my yard is because the environment is conducive for them, right? I live in the forest, although I'm not actually in my backyard right now because it's raining. So you're probably going to hear a lot of cars passing by. However, in the backyard is a forest and I have a lot of things that you may or may not can see because of the greenery area, but it is the perfect ecosystem for these animals to live in. Some animals need to be really cool. Some of them don't want to be hot. When you think about earthworms, the rain will drive them up out of the ground because it's cool. They want to be somewhere cool. If it's just scalding hot weather, you're not going to see them on top of the ground. However, if it's 80 degrees outside and I put a cinder block down on the ground, Truly enough and surely enough, if I leave it there for a couple of hours or maybe a few days and I lift that cinder block up, boom, you're going to see a ton of earthworms because it is cool and they have now come up out of the ground. Animals in the wild can only live in places they are adapted to. They must have the right kind of habitat where they can find food and space they need. Did you also know that animals camouflage themselves so that they can adapt to their environment? Think about lizards. Not all, but some. Like chameleons. They have a way of, ad of adapting to the environment they live in for protection. They don't want to get eaten, right? <laughs> so they have a way of adapting to the environment. They blend in for protection. Some animals, like the apple snail, can survive in different ecosystems, from swamps, ditches, and ponds, to lakes and rivers. It's amazing what lives in the, the rivers and streams that are right near you. In the harsh cold climate of Alaska, the animals have learned to adapt to the weather by storing food in their body and protecting themselves from the cold with thick furs. Some animals, if you take them out of their environment and you put them in another environment, they will eventually adapt. But then there are other animals that if you take them out of their natural environment, they may die. For instance, the camel spider that is over in the Middle East, like Iraq. They are huge spiders. <laughs> okay, the size of cats. They are humongous and creepy looking and freaky looking, right? If you've ever looked at them on YouTube. But they live in the desert. That is how they survive. That is their ecosystem. 
That is their habitat. If we were to move them out of their natural habitat, the desert, and put them over in America, they would die. Because their body is not designed to be able to survive the type of weather that we have in the United States of America. Unless somebody is like seriously playing around with science, it's just not going to happen. But there are some birds and some lizards that people have taken from other countries and put them in their bags and brought them to the U.S. And those things had to figure out how to survive (laughs) in a new environment. But one thing is for sure. They like their ecosystem. Their ecosystem is their natural habitat. Their natural habitat. And so we people tend to be the same. But when it comes to Christians and when it comes to religion, sometimes it can be a little iffy. Sometimes it can be and get a little rocky. Because we have all of these beliefs But usually, most religions have a belief and they stick with it. Like Muslims, like Jehovah Witnesses, like people who, um, Hinduism. But Christians is a little bit different. Because not all of us share the same ecosystem. And that poses a problem. And therefore, people get turned off and they kind of don't like the religion thing. So the question I had posed is, is being saved being religious? And when I come back, I'm going to dive in and tell you exactly the answer. (laughs) You really thought I was going to say something else. Exactly something else. I'm going to tell you the answer to that right after this message. This episode is brought to you by Traveling Psychology Girl, where we declutter and organize your mind, home, and office. Traveling Psychology Girl is about more than just having decluttered closets and organized cupboards. Decluttering and organizing should be a state of being in one's everyday life and traveling psychology girl is here to help you with the skills to make it happen traveling psychology girl is built on five biblical principles and some of the services offered are of course decluttering and organizing as well as scheduling homestead and garden startup Our goal is to help you use the five biblical principles on our website to keep peace flowing through your mind, home, and office. Visit www.travelingpsychologygirl.com for more details. Is being saved being religious? Hmm. No. It is not. But unfortunately, there are a lot of misconceptions. 
So let me dive in and break it down for you. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 15. Today I'm going to read out of the New International Version. And it reads, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins this is the way that we should pray Praying is not being religious. And I know that you don't quite understand, but I am going to bring all of this home. But as for right now, verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. The reason he says that is because the latter part says, For they think they will be heard because of their many words. A lot of times, when people are praying or when you see Christians praying, not authentically, but when you go to some churches and you see people praying, it kind of looks like a front because they got a whole lot of words, but really and truly their life is really messed up. And I'm not talking about messed up where we all have to work on our salvation daily and we have to work on pleasing the Lord. But I'm talking about you doing certain things to be seen. And I am going to dig more into that in a moment. What is a Pharisee? So I want to talk about what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee is a self-righteous person. In the scripture that I read, it said pagan. But in the King James Version, it says Pharisee. So we're talking about a self-righteous person, a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone pretending to be something that they're not. And that, unfortunately, is a lot of what we see in today's church. And listen, I'm not here to beat down the church by far, okay? But there are some things that go on in some churches that cause people not to want to be 
in Christ. They think that it's religious, but God has a different definition of religious. And as a matter of fact, I think I want to go ahead and go to that scripture. In James 1, verse 26 through 27, it says, uh, what version is this? This is the NIV. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world did you get that this is how god see religion so if you want if you don't want to be religious then just know the true definition of being religious is not what you think it is. It's not what you see. But it's verse 27. Taking care of orphans and widows. That is what it's about. Watching your tongue. That is what it's about. Now I gave the definition of a Pharisee. In John 3, chapter, John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a Pharisee named, a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we should know what you, that you are a teacher who has come from God. For one For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with you. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so then Nicodemus asked, how do you become born again? And so we go down to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that who should ever believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And then it goes on and on and on and on. I like this particular scripture because it takes religion out of the game altogether. I don't really honestly like to call myself a Christian, although I do. I really am getting to the point now where I really want to call myself a believer because I believe in Christ. I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that when I die, I will go to heaven. And if I happen to be on this earth still, when the rapture, which is the word rapture is not in the Bible, but when that time comes, when people start to disappear off the earth and all you see are their clothes in their car or their clothes in the bed or their clothes in the street and cars start to you know get into accidents because the person that was driving was taken up to be with the Lord when that rapture happens and everyone who does not believe in Christ is left on this earth and they're freaking out because they're not saved but their children automatically went to heaven you're a that person that left was a believer they went to be with the Lord 
while the people that are left here for seven years are going through the tribulation. I don't have time to get into that teaching. That would have to be for another day. But I like to call myself a believer because when you get into all of the different types of religions, it starts to turn others off. And they don't really accept Christ because they don't want what comes with being religious. So when I come back, I'm going to break down some of the things that I've thought about that turns the world and some people off to where they don't want to be in Christ. And this is a part of the podcast that's probably going to be a little bit difficult for Christians or the believer or the person that's religious. Because this is going to make you then have to look in the mirror and check yourself. Or it even may have you check the church that you've been in. Or you might be in a position to where you say, oh my gosh, I know that church. I know that particular place. This is why I don't want to have anything to do with religion. So I'm going to touch on that when we come back. Is being saved being religious? I told you before that the answer is no. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with God because of their definition of what religion is, which is typically Christians, but the way that we live. So let's go right in because it's time to get a little tough. So I've wrote down some things that come to my attention when I'm talking to people who don't want to have anything to do with God because they're not into religion. And I'm going to tell you why they're not into religion. When I was talking earlier about animals having their different habitats, but each animal coexists within their habitat, Christians are some of the most divided people because we have the Methodist church, We have the Baptist Church. We have the First and the Second Baptist and the Third Baptist. We have the African, um, what is it, Methodist Church, the AME. I could be saying it wrong, but I think it's the African Methodist Church. We have Pentecostal. We have non-denomination. We have um, interdenomination. We have a ton of stuff (laughs) and it's kind of ridiculous because all of those different systems believe essentially in the same God, but they have sort of created their own rules. And before you get mad at me, I'm going to break down some of the things that go on in these churches that turns non-believers away. And I'm going to give you a breakdown, really, of what God is and what you should have at your church. And it's okay if you're missing a couple of these things in church because sometimes the church just doesn't know 
But when you read the Bible, the Bible clearly states what a church should be. Because when Christ comes back, he's coming back for his church, which he also calls his bride. So let me go right into some of the issues with religion. So one of the things that I hear a lot is, won't he do it? (laughs) Won't he do it? Won't he do it? That has become a popular saying in the church. And it's quite funny. And when dealing with it or when hearing it, at first I kind of bought into it as well. Oh, won't he do it, girl? Yes, he will do it, honey. Yes, he will. But as time has gone on, I have thought about that statement, won't he do it? Well, the question is, won't he do what? Or will he do what? And non-believers hear us say, won't he do it, won't he do it? And they know that it's kind of like this, just this like jazzy slangish thing that we're saying. But they kind of know too that we really don't believe God can do anything. And yes, you may have faith and you can believe him to do some things in your life. But sometimes we think we believe the Lord. But then when certain things arise in our life, it goes out the window. What goes out the window? Our faith, our trust, our belief. We lose it. But we say, won't he do it? So it's nothing wrong with saying, won't he do it? But actually know, like really know what the Lord will do when you say, won't he do it? Won't he do what? Won't he heal you? Won't he help give you knowledge? Won't he open doors that no man can close? Won't he heal your marriage? Won't he heal your body? Won't he give you joy when there is no hope? Give you peace When there's a lot of suffering going on in your life. Won't he do those things? Will he do those things? That is a turn off people to non-believers. Won't he do it? They totally get it. Trust me they do. And this is not even coming from my words. This is coming from me talking to non-believers. Really, really listening to them. Because in my life, for the most part, I have been surrounded by people that believe in Christ. People that have, even if they're not living right per se, they've grown up in the church. They have some form of respect for the Lord. But over the last seven or eight years, I've come across so many people who just don't want to have anything to do with God, anything to do with the church. And hey, you have to ask questions, why? And so these are some of the things that come up. Number two, I'm taking back what the devil stole from me. 
I'm taking back what the devil stole from me. That is another popular thing. It kind of reminds me of the scripture that I was talking about earlier with the Pharisee and the hypocrite. And when you go and you pray, but you're praying and you're just doing a whole bunch of babbling words. Because this is the part where you have to ask, well, what are you taking back? Are you really taking back something that the devil stole from you? My pastor gives this phenomenal example for this particular statement. He says that if he has an iPad, it's his iPad. But then if he turns around and someone comes and steal his iPad, and then he turns back around and he's like, well, where is my iPad? That person can now say, I got your iPad. But if he goes and tell everybody, I got my, I have my iPad. And then my pastor is saying, wait a minute, he stole that from me. If nobody saw the person actually steal the iPad, they just saw the after effect. They just saw the person with the iPad then technically, even though it was stolen, nobody believes that it was your iPad, Pastor, and you're going to take it back. You're saying, I'm taking back what was stolen from me. My iPad was stolen from me. Nobody believes you because they didn't see you steal it. Or they didn't see the person steal it. They saw the person with the iPad all along. If there really is something in your life that you know was stolen, stolen from you that was taken from you whether it was your childhood whether it was your sanity if you really know that the enemy stole that from you then you will take it back you would take it back right but we say it all the time I'm taking back what the devil stole from me but if you ask any of those people well, what did you take back? Well, what did Satan steal from you? What was stolen from you? Most of the time, they don't know. They don't even have an answer for it because it was just a saying, a cute little saying that they were doing. This is not an offense to um, the LBG community at all. This podcast is not about downing people. But the rainbow... The rainbow is now a symbolism of the pride community, right? But really, the rainbow was what? According to the Bible, the rainbow is a sign of God's covenant that he would no longer destroy the earth again with water. We know that the earth is going to be destroyed again with fire, but God promised that he would never destroy the earth again with water. So he said that he would place a bow, a rainbow in the sky to remind us that he would never do that again. That is the real meaning, the original real meaning of the rainbow. So if that rainbow has, in a sense, been stolen now, it's been it's now used for something else. Well, for people that never knew that it was actually a sign of the covenant, they can say, well, all along, that's what the rainbow meant. But that's not what the rainbow means. Again, this is not downing any community. This is not what this podcast is about. I'm simply stating the fact that the rainbow itself, the actual rainbow, originally meant and still does mean 
a sign of the covenant that the Lord would never destroy the earth again with water. Somebody is jamming. So that's what the rainbow means. So if you say, I'm taking back what the devil stole from me, you have to kind of know what it is you're taking back. You have to know that. And then are you really going to take it back? Are you going to fight for it? Are you going to put on the whole arm of God and you're going to go to war with Satan and you're going to take it back? That's another issue that unbelievers have with so-called religion. Another thing is, I often find when dealing with believers that if you're trusting the Lord for something or you're believing God for something, oftentimes if the other person's faith is not where yours is, they will say, oh, well, their faith is stronger than mine. My faith is just not there. And that has kind of become, um, it's so cliche now, which is kind of like, oh, well, it's kind of like a pass. I get a pass because my faith is just not there. Okay, well, let's ask a couple of questions. Why is your faith not there? Your faith doesn't have to be where somebody else's faith is. But the word in the measure of faith is for all of us, right? So we have to do our work just like we do our work in every other area of our life. We have to do our work in our faith and our belief system. So believers, stop hiding behind the fact that your faith is not stronger than somebody else's. Work on your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you have to have faith and you have to build your faith. And the only way that you can build your faith is to read the word, but actually apply it in your daily lives. It's okay if your faith is, you know, somebody else's faith is at 85%, your faith is at 50%. That's okay. As long as you are constantly working on building your faith. But if you've been a believer for 25 years and your faith is at 10%, something's not right. It means that you, you are not building your faith. So let's stop hiding behind that because unbelievers see that. Four, so many denominations within the Christian church. I wrote this down. Here we go again. I'm circling back to this. We have the Methodist. We have the Baptist. We got First Baptist, Second Baptist. We got the Pentecostal. We got the interdenomination. We have the non-denomination. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I grew up in the Methodist church. If you were shouting, you had to get taken out. You wasn't going to shout. Not in the church, you wouldn't. And what happens is, these churches tend to have their own beliefs. Like they may not believe in speaking in tongues. I'm going to touch on that. They may not believe in, I don't know, uh, prophesying. That's a problem if one denomination believes that and another one doesn't because that's not Bible. So let's identify. Let's go ahead and identify the religion of what we call today within the, de the denominations, okay? That's within the denominations or not within them. So this is, these are the red flags. So if you're looking for a church, if you are a non-believer and you think that you wanna try this God thing, you think you wanna try this believer thing, 
This is the type of church that you should be looking for. Churches who don't believe in speaking in tongues, that's a problem. In first, let's see, first Corinthians chapter 12, there is a whole chapter dedicated to spiritual gifts. Everything that I'm going to call out in this list can go back to this chapter. This is not Kristen's word. This is not something I'm making up. I'm speaking directly from the Bible. You can go right to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read on spiritual gifts. When you get to chapter 12, you're gonna, it's going to go into the unity and the diversity of the body in Christ. That means it's going to list out all of the types of people that should be operating in the church. And you're also going to find, and I will talk about it, that there is no, this person is better than that person. That person is better than this person. So let's dive in. Speaking in tongues. If you are part of a church that does not believe in speaking in tongues, that is not a God church. If you go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, spiritual gifts, is going to talk about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is to edify yourself. It is a conversation with the Lord. It also helps you fight in the demonic realm, which some churches don't believe in. That's a problem. It's a real thing. It exists. It's Bible. It's biblical. You should be speaking in tongues. There is a case where one person speaks in tongues and a prophet prophesies what that person has said. That edifies the church. So speaking in tongues should be in your church. Something that I have, we have at my church that is not a part of a lot of churches, but I think it's something that most churches don't really know about. And it's inner healing and deliverance. People go through a lot of crazy things in their life, a lot of traumas. And having a team that knows how to walk people through their trauma and help them become healed from within, from their heart and delivered from whatever it is that's holding them back is so vital and it's so important. Counseling and not just marital counseling, but counseling for blended families, counseling for dating what you should do when you're dating and you're trying to live holy before the Lord. These are things that should be going on at your church. It's another red flag. If your church does not allow visions and dreams, they don't teach on visions and dreams. Oh my gosh. Daniel had dreams and visions. As a matter of fact, the only way that the king at the time could not lose his mind. He had to have his dreams interpreted and Daniel could interpret the dreams. That is how the Lord speaks to us. Sometimes we are so busy in our day and he cannot get through to us. So he will speak to us in our dreams. Our dreams are so vital. Some of us have visions and people think you're going crazy because you see things and you're not going crazy. That is the Lord giving you a vision of something. That is how God spoke in the biblical days. And the reason he spoke 
now in the old more so in the old testament than the new testament but the old testament did not have uh they also had angels so i would even go as far as to say angel vis visitation but at that time the angels were on the earth all the time and people were spoken to through visions and dreams and angels would show up because christ had not come yet once Christ had came, he left us with the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean the angels still would not come visit. As a matter of fact, you could be entertaining a stranger. And the Bible says that stranger could actually be an angel. But we don't see much angel activity anymore because Christ has come. But the Lord does still speak to us through visions and dreams. And it is all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. So there's not a problem with having visions and dreams. So if you are part of a church and they look at you crazy because you said you had a dream or a vision and the Lord showed you something, get out of that church. Go away from them. Red flag, another red flag. No prophesying. I said that earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah, prophecy is, a, is, is something that the Lord uses to speak to his people. And he definitely uses it today. And if you are part of a church and they don't believe in prophesying, that is a problem. If you are part of a church and there are no women allowed to operate in ministry, that is a problem. That's a big problem. There is no sexism in the Bible. Okay. Um, a lot of people took the one scripture of the women not having to talk to their husbands and not being able to speak up in the church. And they just took that way out of context and they went too far with it. There were plenty women warriors in the Bible. The last um, podcast I talked about JL, there was Ruth, there was Esther. There were plenty other women who did great things in the Lord. It's a problem if you are part of a church and they do not allow women to be over or head ministries. Another red flag. No casting out of evil spirits. Hello. Has Hollywood not given us enough movies about evil spirits out in the world? This world has evil spirits, okay? <laughs> we have angels. We have evil spirits. There's good and there's bad. Okay, in all of the movies, there's always a fight against good. I mean, a fight against evil. Evil is fighting against good. Good is fighting against evil. Duh. Hello, people. There is a such thing as evil spirits out in the world. Just like there are, um, you know, angels and things like that. There, there, they are demonic creatures that walk upon the face of this earth we may not can see them with our physical eye but they do exist in the spiritual realm so if you are part of a church that do not believe in evil spirits the evil spirits believes in you okay i always tell people that you don't have to believe in satan but he sure believes in you it's very loud today it's a lot going on it's not morning i'm normally recording the podcast in the morning but you know it just is what it is. Um, it's like you can't believe in heaven and not believe in hell. I mean, it's, you can't believe in one and not the other. Another red flag. People are more concerned about how people are dressed. If you're a part of a church and they are so concerned about how you're dressed. Now listen. Um, I had a family member that used to say, come as you are, not as you is. It's so funny. <laughs> but, I, you know. Maybe coming to church in a tank top is not the right thing to do. But if you come to church in a tank top, nobody should escort you out of the church. Okay. 
people should not be so concerned about how people are dressed. You do need to dress respectfully. Okay, you're going to church. You would not wear a tank top on your job most jobs okay so let's have respect and reverence for the holy spirit for the lord for the church but you should this should not be a big deal and you definitely shouldn't be a part of a church that is against you wearing pants if you're a woman shorts skirts come on that's not in the bible so um you know leave that church if they're doing you like that another red flag no gifts of the spirit if they do not allow you to operate in your gift, if your gift is dance, if your gift is a spirit of helps, if your gift is music, you know, whatever the case, if they're not allowing you to operate in your gifts, maybe a problem. You should be able to operate in your gifts, gifts of the spirit. Another red flag. There's more guys, but wait, there's more. An armor barrier. Okay. Oh my gosh. If you have a pastor and he has an armor bearer, something's wrong with that. And that armor bearer is carrying his Bible. Okay. Let's break this down. In the Bible, an armor bearer, hence the word armor bearer, when kings would go to war, when the armies would go to war, their arm their their um armor when armies would go to war their armor would be so heavy that they had certain people to actually carry the armor your pastor having an assistant to carry his bible and they're calling them an armor bearer that's not scripture that's religion that's not bible all of these things is religious that's not God you don't need an assistant to walk around carrying your Bible and you're calling him an armor bearer that's not biblical that is so irritating to me okay where am I the members are not equal to the ministers if you are part of the church and the members the the ministers are looked at as celebrities and the members are just people that come and pay their tithe and give and that's it that's a problem if you go back to first corinthians chapter 12 and you read the second part where it talks about the body of christ and it's actually given the parts of the body that the the roles where people play you will find that Everybody's role is equally important, almost probably more important than even the apostles and the pastors and all of that. You got to go and read that for yourself to find out that this stuff is really a joke in the church. This is not biblical. This is religious and this is what turns non-believers away. I remember I was a part of a church, my husband and I, we were a part of this ministry and um, we were only there for a year, but short, short, in, short into the time frame that we were there, um, we were, my husband and I were very faithful to our church. Any church that we ever go to, we are extremely faithful and we were faithful to this church. And um, I remember on New Year's Eve, we wanted to be at church, but our house had flooded. A pipe bursted in our kitchen and flooded our house. And we had no way to get the water out. With the water up about an inch or two high within our kitchen and our living room, we still packed our babies because I think at the time 
my youngest son was uh, I think I may have been pregnant with him I don't even think he was born yet um, my daughter was an infant and my youngest son was a toddler and we packed our babies we went on to church because we were like you know what we're not gonna let the devil keep us from getting our word on New Year's Eve New Year's Eve is always the best service we're not missing it tonight but when service was over we pulled the pastor aside we was like hey listen our house flooded right before we came a pipe busted and we are like our water our house is a mess do you have a wet bag because we didn't have one and do you know what that pastor told us he told us that he had one but he could not let us use it because if he allowed us to use the wet vac, he would then have to allow other people to use it too. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? My mouth literally dropped. So you're going to send us home with our two babies and a house that's full of water and in spite it, despite the fact that we did not stay home, that we came to be a part of the service because we were faithful and committed to the Lord and faithful and committed to the church. And then you tell us you can't let us use the web because if you let us use, you're going to have to let other people use it. You selfish hypocrite. This is exactly what the word is talking about. You scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You religious people, you make yourself look to be something you are not. You are an imposter. These type of people, the Lord is not pleased. This is what turns people away from the church. Even believers have turned away from the church because of how other people have acted in the church. That is not like God. But do know that you cannot allow, we did not allow that pastor to, to stop us from being faithful and committed. However, we did not stay at that church, but we did not run away from the Lord because it wasn't the Lord's fault. It was his fault. It was, it was on him. It was not on God. It was on him. And sometimes non-believers don't think about that. But it is hard to know what's right when you don't know anything but then you got these people that are religious. Last but not least, being in church and the people simply do not operate in love. How I have been in so many churches and sometimes dealing with Christians have been the meanest people that I've ever dealt with in my life. And this is a turnoff for non-believers. So I hope that you got something from the podcast and I want you to be encouraged that if you don't believe in Christ, that you would look past and forgive our faulty ways as Christians. And if you are a believer, that you will take this time to check yourself and check the church that you are part of, because being saved is not being religious, but it is very hard because when people see all of these things that I have discussed today, these things are religious. 
This is kind of, you know, the urban way of showing, of talking about religions. We're not talking about other religions because really and truly other religions are not like this. Muslims are steadfast or sturdy in their faith. They believe they don't sway to the right. They don't sway to the left. They pray like they're supposed to pray. They do what they're supposed to do in their religion. Hindus, they do the same. Everybody else, Buddhism, they all do. They're faithful to their call. It is the ones that are the Christians who are supposed to represent God. And he says it's only one way to the Father, and it's through Christ. But here we are, we're supposed to represent him, but we don't because we are religious. So when somebody says they don't believe in religion, that's typically what they're talking about. All of these things that I have called out today because they don't want to have nothing to do with that mass shoot. After I wrote all of this stuff down, I was drained. And I'm, you probably done listen to the podcast and you drained, you tired listening to it. It's exhausting. Oh my gosh. Ain't nobody got time for that. So let's get it right. Let's not be a turnoff from God and have people turn away from God because they don't want to have nothing to do with all this mess. This is mess. Read the Bible. The Bible has everything that you need in it. And it's so important that you read your word and that you get to know Christ for who he is for yourself. Not how the Methodists say it should be or the Baptists say it should be or the non-denominational church say it should be. Everybody shouting, running all up and down the aisles. And there's nothing wrong with that until it becomes a show. Be holy. Because one day, one day, the believers will disappear off this earth. If you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will be with those believers that leave. But even the believers that leave this earth to be with Christ... Some of them have not done anything for the Lord because they were spent their lives being scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, imposters. They really did give themselves to the Lord. They, they believe that he died on the cross for them, but they ain't done nothing for him. This is the part where the Lord will judge you by your works and he'll light it up. And it's going to be gold, jewels, silver, whatever. Well, it may be wood, stubble, or hay, whatever. It's going to get lit up and it's going to be burnt and yours might burn down to the ground and be ashes. Which when, when you hear the old folks say what, only what you do for God or for Christ will last, that is so true. What you do for God, what you do on this earth for him, you will be judged by that. So if you are a believer and you have done the, the works and when he sets those things on fire, you will have your heavenly rewards. You will have your mansion. And your mansion is going to be so glorious. It won't look like any mansion on this earth. That's why people that have died and gone to heaven for a few minutes and they came back to earth, they did not want to come back to this place. I heard one person say, after he had an encounter with the Lord, um, when he came back to this planet, it stinks. It stunk. He said the earth smells bad and you don't know that the earth smells until you've been to heaven. So many amazing things that I've heard about people's 
death experiences where they came back to life but they experienced going to heaven some have experienced going to hell but they've had these experiences and they come back and they talk about it so when you go you will have all of the rewards that the heavenly father has with you you will reign with him but if you just believe god that he died on a cross or christ that you know that christ died on the cross for your sins and you ain't never lived a day in your life for the lord you're going to be on the outskirts of heaven. You're going to make it in and it'll be a glorious place because you made it in, but you won't have no place to stay. You on the outskirts. <laughs> I don't want to be on the outskirts of heaven. Okay. I want to be in the courts. Okay. So don't go by what you see. Get in the word, get to know that word and get to know the Lord for yourself and stay on the podcast and listen to the next segment where I walk you through accepting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And after you do that, find a strong Bible based church that does not have all of this mess that I called out. And it might be hard to find, but hey, look. This is one of the reasons why in Revelations, God talks about the seven churches and how he judged the seven churches. It was it was two churches that had things right, but one of them had lost um, Christ as being their their first love. They got so caught up in all of the other things of this world. Maybe it was the careers or whatever the case, but they had lost Christ as their first love. They lost God as being their first love. So it was only one church that actually was completely 100% pleasing in God's sight. But there was five churches that was not, especially the church of Laodicea. God is not a man that wants you to be lukewarm. You can't dip in the Lord and dip in Satan. Who likes lukewarm water? Nobody. I'll take room temperature, but I'm not going to take lukewarm Oh, no, it is so gross. Ugh, spit it out. And that's exactly what Christ would do. God will spit you out of his mouth if you are lukewarm. So I'm saying all of that to say there were seven churches that the Lord dealt with. Only two of them was right, but only one of them was 100% right. So you got five churches that was not right. So that means you might have a difficult time finding some churches that have that don't have all of this mess that I talked about earlier. But it is churches out there that have it together and no church is going to be perfect. Okay, none is going to be perfect. But you want to find a church that at least have 90 percent of the things that I talked about. Well, maybe I should say don't have 90% of the things that I talked about because you want a church that is really growing, growing in God, growing in love. That's the most important part because listen, none of us are perfect. We are trying to work it out every day. I've been saved for a long time and I love the Lord. I know him. I'm strong in my faith, but there are still days where I lose it. There are still days where I have to get my faith together it's still days you know where I I just I'm going through things and I may not feel close to God that day so we are human beings and you have to understand that pastors people in church they are all human beings at the end of the day just like you so I hope that you enjoyed the podcast today it was quite lengthy but 
it was a lot that needed to be said and it was on my heart to share these things because this has been coming up quite a bit so I wanted to address it right here on the podcast I love you all so much and I will be with you next time Hi, this is Kristen, and thank you so much for listening to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. You know, the Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, maybe after listening to the podcast, if you are not saved, you're thinking, I would love to give my life to Christ. If so, all you have to do is confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive you, and he will, and then say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? It is done. You are saved. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and want to follow me on social media, I am at three different places on Instagram. You can follow me at KB Simple Life, Encouragement from Kristen, or my business page, Traveling Psychology Girl. Thank you so much for listening and supporting what I'm doing here. God bless you. God bless you. And I will be with you next time.